It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Provocative discussion, intelligence analysis, and fearless comment. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company this morning. Well, I mean, I don't know how you reacted to the news last night. Once we knew it was a press conference, sorry, a a statement rather than a press conference, I think we all knew things were going to be bad. And once uh, we knew that Commons were going to be recalled, not necessary for a vote uh, on uh, more tier restrictions, because, you know, we just don't bother with silly things like parliamentary scrutiny anymore normally, unless there is actually a formal national lockdown. But a national lockdown is what we got announced at eight o'clock last night. I don't about you, but um, sometimes I'm 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 just thinking I'm wor- I'm worrying worrying I'm worrying worrying that I'm running out of uh, expletives to shout when these new things are announced. But uh, as I say the Sun very optimistic. One last push. Um, if you recall, back in March last year, it was three weeks to flatten the curve, and here we go again. Now it's six weeks at least. Bearing in mind, furlough goes all the way uh, to the end of April. Um, that uh, we uh, we are apparently going to tackle this again. Now the only hope we've have got is this vaccination rollout. My worry is that um, there's still going to be people demanding lockdown restrictions many, many, many months, possibly even years after we do have that rollout. We're going to be talking about all of this all this morning with lots of top guests. And I'm delighted to say I'm going to be joined all this morning by fellow top guest, uh, comedian Steve Allen. Good morning to you, Steve. Good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to have your company. You always cheer me up uh, of, a, of a miserable morning. Uh, got back from the holes at the weekend. Um, I knew this was on the cards. Everyone sort of did. But um, what was your sort of what were your, what were your feelings? What were your thoughts when you uh, heard what the prime minister had to say last night? I'm more surprised at people being surprised. I thought this was already a pre-agreed deal. Everyone was saying you have some time off around Christmas, which I know didn't really happen anyway, but we knew there was going to be a lockdown in January. Everyone was talking about it. So when it happened, people were like, what, a lockdown in January? Yeah, I thought that was, we all knew this was the hideous thing coming around the corner. That was in return for our five days of festivities, wasn't it? The whole point was, well, that's going to have to happen if if people have five days off. But no, people, I mean, my entire family sat in their homes in separate homes, um, you know, obeying the letter of the law, um, as, as, as I think the vast majority of people have, have done. So if people didn't meet up, they didn't travel, they were in, the, in huge parts of the country in their tier four restrictions. So, so why would we need a lockdown now? If we're told it, we, we'd only need a lockdown because of people mixing at Christmas. People didn't mix at Christmas and yet we get one anyway. I think it's not about how many people got to mix. It's That's not the metric, is it? That's not what anyone was ever going to measure. They were always going to measure things like infection rates. So it doesn't matter the cause of the infection rate increase. 
it, we people presumed back then that would have been caused by festivities and handshakes and whatever thing people, you know, whatever people thought people. When were was the get last time you shook hands with someone? Do you know what? I mean, no, but I'm fine with that. I am not the I am not the person to argue that we need to bring back shaking hands. I love a bit of personal space, me. But no, to the point though, it wasn't. People said the restrictions would lead to lockdown, and no one mentioned the step in between, the increase in infection. Well, it seems like we've just been given that for free by a virus strain that's doing the work for us by being easier to spread and easier to catch. The thing that we're measuring looks worse. We, we're hearing so much more about this virus strain that apparently is it. now. I mean, people like Professor Carl Hennigan. Professor of Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford has actually asked repeatedly, you know, where, where is the evidence that this is the case? We know there are thousands of strains of, of this virus, as there are of all, of all viruses. The normal form for viruses is that they, they mutate. And, mm. and, and what they, you, you know this, you're a scientist uh, by training, um, that, that, that they mutate and they become uh, more easily transmissible, but less deadly. So given this is apparently, we are told, uh, and again, we, we, we haven't, I'm sorry, but we haven't seen, uh, feel free to feel free to write complaints in. We haven't actually seen clear proof. These are, these are suppositions. These are papers, you know, reports which say they believe that this virus may be more transmissible. They are looking for evidence that this, that the, the, the surging cases that we saw in the east of England, London and the southeast of England, that was that caused by this new virus strain. But this virus strain is all over everywhere. Um, and, and we haven't seen, we haven't seen death rates going up uh, in the area where this strain is apparently running amok. So there are, some, there are some serious question marks about this, like most other claims that are used to announce any claim that's announced the day or the day before you get a new restriction, as we saw this yes, with Tearful. They, they're nearly always debunked very soon afterwards. You know, the, the 4,000 deaths a day claims, the, you know, things like that. We, these, are, these, are, these are very often debunked. I mean, more, I would say more often than not debunked. Um, but even if that theory is the guesswork between the the in and input and output of what we're measuring, if you're just looking at case numbers and case numbers goes up, even if the guess is wrong, if people presume it's to do with a new strain, something has caused it, and that's the thing that's causing the worry. Now, whether they were right to just use the measure of cases, that's a that's a different argument. And one of the things to bring in there is the death rate. But it's not as if the only thing that we're worried about here is death because of coronavirus. Questions as there are about measuring it. You don't want hospitals that are too busy for people that we all know with other conditions to stop getting. Uh, yeah, and this is the argument, isn't it? This is we've got. I mean, Prime Minister used this again. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what. Every time I hear the words "protect the NHS," I want to scream. <laughs> it's not our job to protect the NHS. We paid lots of tax. I'm quite happy to pay that tax more than happy to fund the NHS so that it can protect us. It's not our job. to Doctors and nurses saying, oh, how awful it is they're having to treat patients. That's literally the job that you train to do and you're paid to do. I don't want people to put at risk. Absolutely, they're entitled to They Absolutely, 100% should have PPE, etc., etc. But this is their job. Um, we are not seeing hospitals, I mean, there are, I think there are two or three hospitals, um, a, a very small number of hospitals in, 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 in London, which are at, you know, at, at total capacity. The vast majority of hospitals in this country are at normal capacity for this time of year. I mean, that is a simple matter of fact. Yeah. At this time of year, this is the level of capacity they operate at. So, so, so what, what's, what's different? And we've got fewer beds because of the social distancing in hospitals. And we've got a load of staff that are self-isolating, even when they're not ill. Now, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, that's the issue. But again, if we've got fewer beds, um, why did they close down the, uh, the, the uh, Nightingale Hospital in, in uh, Lon the London Excel Centre? 
totally I mean, agree with that. They should have definitely been open. That is the capacity, the spare that we need. But this is it. So we, we were told, we were told, bearing in mind, October, Sir Patrick Vallance, Chief Scientific Officer, tells us we could get up to 4,000 deaths a day. That's what we were told. No, nothing like it. You know, nothing like it. Nowhere anywhere near that. Not a single one of those uh, predictions of what could happen over, over winter has happened. Now, people will say, oh, that's because we've had the restrictions. Well, but we're constantly told the restrictions haven't worked. We've had a massive increase in infections because we're testing lots and lots more people. And, of course, it's winter and you're going to have more infections for a virus which uh, is seasonal. So that, that should have translated into those sort of deaths by now, if those graphs were right. Given that they were saying that every single of these winter scenarios predicts thousands of deaths a day, why didn't they prep for it? Why why did hospitals not expand capacity? Why were the Nightingale hospitals not reopened? Now, the fact they didn't do any of that, does that mean that they just really rubbish at preparing, both the NHS and the government, uh, in which case, should we not be blaming them for the problems they've got right now? Or, 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 or did they not think it was going to happen? I mean, they told us this would happen and then they haven't prepared for it. And now we're told it's our fault because some COVID idiots, you know, went for a drink in someone else's house. I mean, that's just simply ridiculous. That is as much as a guess as any theory to try and explain why the case numbers are up. So it's it's not provable to know if it it's eventually will be provable to know if the strain has transmissibility improvements with its latest mutations. It'll never really be knowable if it was caused by people in their own homes doing things. So you, yeah. we need to probably forget trying to explain the how, look at the numbers. We need to make a decision as a nation if we're going to be obsessed with death numbers, because they are going to be flattened because we've done something. You know, it doesn't matter how, how much we've done. We've done something. So there should be fewer deaths than there would have been by how much. doesn't matter. The point yeah. is something has happened. But then it depends. You need to pick a target because then we're focusing on number of people being hospitalized, which is very different to death. And the ratios have changed. We're so much better at keeping people alive. We've got the dexamethasone. We now know when to intubate and how to lay people face down, and it just saves lives. So we're going to see the death numbers lower for the same number of people in hospitals. So is that now the new thing we need to be careful? Uh, and that's the number it, of people uh, in there. And the, the Tory group, uh, bunch of backbench MPs who are the COVID recovery group, they yesterday issued a statement saying, you know, how does this, you know, how does the, the rollout of the vaccinations and 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 the measures, how does that translate into return to normal life? Uh, you know, what is the exit strategy? What level of deaths do we deem acceptable? I'm always amazed uh, on Twitter. People will say to me like, "Well, oh, so you're saying any level of certain level of deaths is acceptable?" Well, yeah, I mean. Every single year, lots of people die. And we know that in a normal year, we see thousands of people die from flu. Not saying COVID is the flu, just for people who want to write a complaint into Ofcom. <laughs> Not saying that. It's a deadly pandemic. We saw all the excess deaths in April. Um, but, we, but we accept a certain level of deaths from infectious diseases all the time, every year of every, you know, of the millennia, which we, we, we consider acceptable. We had, you know, 48,000 excess deaths in the year 2000. Uh, we've had um, nothing, I mean, I mean, tens of thousands of excess deaths in more recent years from flu, but we didn't lock down. No one even vaguely suggested we should lock down. So at what point do we actually have a conversation about what number of people do we accept dying from this disease, but we'll carry on with normal life nevertheless? Yeah, it, it is a balance. It's a balance of forces. There are other diseases that don't kill anywhere near as many, but we do vaccinate people for them before we travel to a place where you're likely to catch it. So, yeah, it's a decision that we'll have to make as a nation to work out. And we already know the value that um, that um, government authorities put on a life. We know that by how much money they're willing to spend on a treatment for a disease. That's the, the harsh reality that's going to have to be done again about this new this new cost, which is going to be a mixture of treatment, vaccination and impact to the economy. 
And I still think that we're, the way we're going might be better than not doing anything or not doing as much. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.